Hello and welcome to Jed Banger's Ball. I am your host, Jed Mayhew. I left my vocal mic at the practice space because we played the other night, so it may sound a little bit different uh, than normal. Uh, today's guest, the one and only Mike Watt. Uh, we just got done finishing a split seven inch with well, we got we got done finishing it a while ago, but it's been out for a minute now. Um, what I should say is that we had the record release party for uh, the split 7-inch with Mike Watt, the L.A. to Pedro 7-inch, as it were, uh, where we cover the Minutemen political nightmare, and he covers our ode to San Pedro, Sunken City, which if you don't know what Sunken City is, it's a... uh, it's a little spot down by the water there in uh, Pedro, and I guess it used to be kind of like a hangout. And due to the erosion, uh, it became kind of an unsafe area, so they walled it off. And and I think Mike says in the interview that they're thinking about bringing it back, but um, it kind of became one of those classic party spots, you know. And uh, we went down there years ago and took some band photos. There's a bunch of kids like dirt biking and drinking and smoking uh you know we all we all had our high school party spots and this is definitely one of the more epic ones it's beautiful too um i suggest breaking into it and partying there um but uh when i grew up it was uh there was a spot called the delta that everyone went to another spot called spy dial um there was beer bottle beach which i think there's many of those um, but yeah, it's a, it's a classic, uh, party spot. And we, we did hit, uh, the Miniman song, Political Nightmare. He, Mike Watt and the Missing Men did, was it the second men? Mike Watt and the second men did, uh, Sunken City. And on Saturday night, we played at the factory downtown. Um, I think there's people that are still looking for the address for the factory downtown. Um, but we played down there on Saturday for kind of a record release party, uh, sort of a faux one, faux record release party as it kind of came out a while ago and it's been up digitally. Um, but it was a fucking blast. Bunch of kids there. I like being the old guy. First show of 2020. Took the shirt off. Showed the gains. Showed all the all of all hard. I like seeing these photos of me skinny now because it. And I'm old. It's old, so I look kind of like Iggy Pop now in the in the in the in the you know the mid region. Um, I got this different mic, so it's popping like that when I say Iggy Pop. Um, but yeah, now I got that old uh, that old skinny guy torso. Um, my mom's listening to this right now, going, "You're not old." Anyways. Let's fucking talk to Mike Watt because here's the thing. I, I barely get a fucking word in edgewise. What I did, I went down to Pedro. I was a guest on his show. Go look it up. The Mike Watt, the Watt from Pedro show. I was guest on his show. He plays music. It's not it's not entirely an interview show. He mostly plays music. And then he, you know, we check in every once in a while in between sets. Um, so I did his. And then we basically, as soon as we finished that, we turned this recorder on and we did my show so so i went to interview him uh but yeah i mean if you've heard him on mark maron before um or if you heard me on mark maron before uh the wtf podcast um 
<clears throat> I think you're gonna. I think you you'll either uh, want to turn this off now or you'll want to listen to it um, because it's a lot of wattage. Uh, but that's that that's who that's who he is. So uh, strap yourself in. Uh, if you want to hear me talk more, uh, go to a different podcast. But anyways, let's talk to the man, the myth, the legend, Mike Watt. All right. Yeah. Well, anyways, we were, uh, <laughs> I know, I know normally I have a bunch of questions to ask people for this sort of stuff, but I figured we'd, uh, just roll since we just did it, did your show and now we're doing mine. I ran into uh, John from uh, OCs last night. Yeah, John Dwyer. John Dwyer. I saw him on the last tour at a gas station. Uh-huh. He had a boat full of guys, some tall sprinter, ones that are hard to park. Yeah. And he had like 10 dudes in there, and I guess they were finishing up a tour. We were kind of near the end, too. But uh, that last, we were, ta- we were talking about last Stooges gig. September twenty third, two thousand thirteen. John was on that gig, OCs, but it was with Petey and shit. It was a whole different band. Ah, yeah, yeah. Petey was playing like a baritone bass. Yeah, he played like a baritone guitar, like six string. Uh, yeah, guitar ba- thing. that's yeah. what I should say. A baritone yeah. guitar that's tuned like a bass, but right. with little strings, <laughs> so they're kind of close together and a little floppy. But he's great, and the band is great. I, well, I haven't seen this new version. I think he's a Providence guy. Originally. Yeah, he's a Rhode Island guy. Yeah, he's a RISD guy. Yeah. Right, right. And thing. there was a whole scene there. Yeah, Fort I Thunder. I guess one of the big bands out of there was Lightning Bolt. Lightning Bolt and Lightning, and, the drummer. But before them, even. Six Finger Satellite. Oh, yeah. I love Six Finger Satellite. But they, they're way before. They were a little bit older than them guys. They had a record. Kind of wave. They had a record on uh, Sub Pop that I always thought was a great title it said it was massive cocaine seizure but like yeah, seizure like cool. you know i thought it was fucking great i think one of them is in one of uh, uh, mclean i don't know mclaren the, something mclaren yeah gomez mclaren or something but there's there's still those guys are still doing but I, I i played gigs with six finger satellite before that's those younger guys brian and uh the lightning bolt oh brian Chip, chippendale some, yeah great bass man with a I think he's got one little he's banjo a, string. He's got three bass strings and a banjo string. Chippendale's the drummer, and he and Ty Siegel. Brian Gibson. Yeah, okay, yeah, gotcha. Okay, bass right, right, right. I didn't realize that was a guy's name. The other, I saw Lightning Bolt in Seattle years ago, and they, you know, they set up on the floor and they just oh, go for it, and it's just fucking like you know, the guy's got immediate, a sock over you know, his head. <laughs> sock over. singer right, and he's trying to sing through his shit. Yeah, but they were like John told me that. Uh, that uh, he remembered that the drummer guy told told him they were kind of like competitive apparently about music. You I know? can imagine that's probably yeah. why I came out to Cal. You know what John told me that blew my mind was the OCs is named after Orange County. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't either. Well, it started. I just said that you know as a joke because he spells it like an ocean, right? Right. But no, he he told me. I, originally, it was OCS. It was kind of like a folk project. It was like a 
guitar. My my buddy in Seattle made a movie. Well, years yeah, and ago. then he had something a, a garage thing called Coach Whips, right? With the yeah, organ, that was before. Yeah, yeah, the organ. Yeah, but you know what? That guy can play anything. Yeah, he can play anything. <laughs> I know it was beautiful. He told me that he saw. It's funny. He said he said that uh, he was in the in the van and the gas station and the, your your You're van, talking back in yeah, November and the van yeah, rolled up and you you screamed OCs at him and then he left and he was it was thankful that it was you and that. Well, I had the other guys. They had to like call attention. Because he told me he had an incident in the bathroom. He said, filthy bathroom. <laughs> like one of them pilots or loves or something. Yeah, shit like yeah, yeah. Flying, flying, flying J. Flying J. Flying Mascus. Yeah. I always liked that those, oh, is that what they call it? Flying J. Mascus? We just call it the Flying Mascus. Is that the nickname on the tour, the Flying Mascus? That's funny. Like, But I, look, somebody looking for a clean head at one of them pads. All right. What do you think's the best? Like, what's what's your like, go-to? That's a good, uh, like, what's your go-to, like, bathroom? Probably more What's that? Probably Morikano. We don't want to like, give too much of the monies away. No, no, no. I mean, like, if you got to yeah, go, yeah, we're to... looking for the Morikano. Yeah, but like, like, what's a... your clean bathroom on the road? No, that's a fuck. The... Who cares about the head? <laughs> I'm talking more about the price of the, especially. You, well, you go to an off ramp that's got maybe three or four of them, so they have competition. Yeah, you got one guy there. He doesn't name your price, right? Yeah, ten dollars a gallon or whatever. Fucking burn more. You try to go uh, like uh, you know independently owned if you can, or does it matter? It's hard in the U.S., right? Right, right, right. It's really hard. We usually go by. Also, you don't want it too old. You don't want too much rust in the tank. You know, so a little more modern. But we usually go by. Yeah, how much how econo it is? Yeah. Uh, sometimes they'll have a chow thing near it, like a. U.S. is really hard to get good chow in the yeah. tour. Okay, but the the ways. At least it ain't deep fried. Yeah, you know. But you try to you try to avoid any fried foods on on, yeah, on the road. Yeah, after a few days, it gets you sick. Yeah, it fucks mm -hmm. up your your guts, right? I try to do a lot of soups and salads on tour. Yeah, but the ways you know they bake them, but they don't taste good, and they got that processed uh, sandwich meat. You talking about Subway? Yeah, <laughs> the ways. All right, well, I, I can tell you you're talking about. We like to breathe. Right? I get it. I know. I get it. I, but I didn't know. My mother calls me Michael Watt. Okay. You know, but... So then that's where it started from. You had to start cutting it off from there. We're wearing no breathe. By the way, we, we, got, like to breathe, we got Damon right? from Nomad Eel well, here. We're, in his in, we're at, at his house because we, yeah, we had to change a plan. So now he's in. Mark he's... Marin Town. <laughs> Mark Marin. I call him Marin. You know, I like right? to keep, I keep I, I abbreviate it. Yeah. Yeah. I think he told me he's from New Jersey. He told me about seeing gigs at the. In Trenton at the Yeah, he's a City Jersey Gardens. guy. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of comedians from like Jersey and stuff. I, I never spent any well, time there. it's probably Morricano and lives next to the, uh, New York. And yeah, yeah. I just, it's I was really like, rural a lot of it. A lot of people think it's of Newark because that's the way they, but yeah. And if you look at the license plate, it looks like a little Cali turned the other way. Yeah. Did you ever play many shows over there like Maxwell's, like Hoboken, like that Bump area? Loads. Yeah. When Ira Cap, uh, yeah, the, uh, Yole Tango? Uh-huh. You got it? Yeah. He was booking there when oh, I yeah. played there. Before yeah. uh, Todd Abramson, right? Right, right. Toddsky. I, 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 Minutemen worked for uh, Ira. That's one of those places, though. Like, that's the only place I ever played was in Hoboken. And then I always wondered, like... Well, now in Jersey City, yeah, at the radio station, WFMU, great yeah. station, yeah. they have gigs downstairs. Okay. Yeah, we, we did, I did uh, WFMU with uh, Michael Yonkers. Remember, you know Michael sure. Yonkers? I was backing him up. I was playing bass for him. So we did the WFMU Yeah, uh, yeah. They live have bands, but now they're having gigs. There's a like, stage, like a club downstairs. Right, right. Brian Turner for a lot of years there. That's 
He's a great guy. And everybody can hear it from the internet. That's a great station. Every DJ's got their own show. That's a cool ass place. You go in there and you see everybody's got their like lockers with all their like like ephemera. What do you call it? Ephemera. Ephemera. Whatever. Their records. They're like stickers. Their t-shirts. All that. Their persona. Yeah, their persona. You can see all the DJs got a lot of personality. I was telling you about Brother Matt after Blue Shift to KXL. You he went to work for these Mersh FM. He said he wasn't allowed to read the time because it might be East Coast, it might be West. Uh, so you'd okay. have to say 20 minutes after the hour. Oh, because like it's that. going out on the internet, you mean? Yeah, and this yeah. playlist. No, no, this is FM radio, oh, the okay. corporate playlist. DJs were nothing. Right. They were just a voice. They right. didn't make their own. And who was probably involved making that playlist and who was getting paid to put what records on that as much different than what happened in the early 80s it was rem i remember when they because at first there wasn't a lot of punk in college rem kind of broke that but here socal with kxlu all the way back i mean that stage in the jesuit school too yeah there was a great one in uh the city right it was called uh kusf and I almost uh, went to Jesuit school. I almost went to Gonzaga in Spokane. That's right. That's yeah. Spokane, right. Yeah. Some good basketball. That's where all my uh, family went to. But that station got, it's gone now. I think it's classical or something. KUSF? Yeah. yeah. I'm, what, like, you know, for where I'm standing from, you know, like where I come from, like, man, we never thought of like REM as a punk band, you know? Like, we yeah. were like, we, we heard like no, but uh, those Losing My Religion, to, uh, you know? Well, that's a little later, but no, it's a lot later. Well, that's what I'm look, trying to say. Look, I got to tell you about them. That, that, they, I'm asking you about it. Up, they opened up the radio because there wasn't a lot of punk rockers at college yet. Right. We were playing for uh, well, there was kids that were still in high school and junior high. That was hardcore, and punk rockers in the '70s was from Glitter and Glam, a very small scene. You didn't really have college people yet, but REM, those guys worked at record store in. The college down there from a like really square John, like Asheville Bulldogs. Or? No, oh. at University of Georgia at Savannah, a- Athens. Oh. Athens. Okay, right. right Savannah right. is uh, that's uh, it's a little freer. Yeah, and it's it, it's it, this school is really square. Yeah, Bulldogs, I know. right? Right, Georgia Bulldogs. Yeah, right, right. I, I know a girl that and, moved but to Seattle. Sometimes Savannah. that makes a huge reaction to it. And I think REM was part of that. When they asked us, it ended up being the last Minuteman tour in 1985. They asked us to do it. We didn't know what they sounded like. We had to buy a record. It was this ear sw- carved on a wood block that was swinging on a string. And yeah, it was a lot of acoustic guitars and kind of a disco drive. There was no lead guitar. Uh-huh. Uh, but it was kind of interesting. The guy kind of mumbled when he sang. and uh, But... Thought, but it was meeting them that made the big impression on us, that they knew about all kinds of musics. And uh, they had a strong, this was what you call the tertiary market. So we were playing like high schools and stuff. Uh-huh. And some, some auditoriums. Like auditoriums? Some of that. But yeah. some, the last gig I remember was at high school. Yeah. A couple of them were. Because where I grew up, like I remember we had shows like that too. I think the Flaming Lips came and played at an auditorium. And yeah, then, like or the gym or Fugazi something. came and played. I saw Fugazi when I was thirteen. They played at uh, like uh, uh, 
where you kept uh, livestock, you know, like a big... Uh, so like at a county fair? Yeah, like a county fair, but just in a building, like a hangar, you know, and they had shows there, you know. And big I, barn. Yeah, I think it, Black Flag was one of the few bands that came through there in the 80s in eastern Washington, in Richland, Washington, played shows. Well, they like came a, and played a lot of places. Yeah. Them touring in the early 80s helped build the circuit that everybody still tours on. I mean, yeah. They were... They should get a lot more credit. They built that whole thing. They played everywhere they could. They and they, do, and they, they always would said... do three, four-month tours. They would do 100-gig tours. When Kay was in the band, she would fly home to take uh, midterms at UCLA. She got an engineering right. degree. And you, you had to be tough to be in that band. Sure. Those, and they, they always credited... You know, I just did 45 gigs in 45 days. That's nothing compared to Black Flag. <laughs> you did 45 gigs in 45 days? There's echo in here, Dave. In the state, well, somebody's got to say something just because i got to make sure people know what's going on. Where, in the States or in Europe? It was here. It was here? Well, one was in Canada. Okay, because I did 33 and 33 in Europe, and I got real sick, and I had to come back here, and they I sent me to Lemmy's sick. doctor. It was 13,000... 380 miles, I drove every one of them. You drove the whole time, too? Where's going here? Jesus Christ. I'm just shocked. No, but compared to Black Flag, that's nothing. I know, but compared to anyone today, that's Especially a lot. Especially in those days, too, where you didn't have good routing. I mean, there yeah. was like 16, 18-hour drives. Yeah. You'd have to get in the boat right after the gig to make this next sound shit. Right, right. You drive at night, right? Yeah, terrible. I never do that now. Yeah, I don't do that anymore either. It's just not worth it, right? No, it's yeah. scary. You see all those deer that are dead on the road? Yeah. They're not hit during the daytime. No, they're all running around out there. Do you ever put like deer whistles or anything on the... I don't the... think they work. No. <laughs> and for sure they don't keep away the methamphetamine truck drivers. <laughs> I remember Black Flag crediting, uh, and we were speaking of... The two Vancouver's earlier today. There's a Vancouver, Canada, and then there's a Vancouver that's got a Hooters. Um, in Washington State. In Washington State. But uh, I remember Black Flag credited DOA a lot for being one of the first. Well, they, they toured around a lot. They probably gave the idea. They, yeah. they Before Flag was touring a lot. I think it was the DOA and the fact that Greg, as a boy, did ham radio. Mm -hmm. So he's talking to people. Ham radio people you don't know because we have internet. But there was a way to talk to people even in other countries. You could learn Morse code and shit and get a license and then have a big transmitter receiver and talk to people. And I think only the Dills had a van. I mean, a lot of them Hollywood punk bands, I guess the mission was to be king of Hollywood. They None of them really toured. The the, the, the Screamers went to New York and played Aloft. There's some gigs in the city. Uh, the, the Germs did some city gigs. But... They weren't really about touring. It was Greg. And then Bandit would come through in those days, especially Hong Kong Cafe and shit was DOA. In those days, it was uh, he had Randy Rampage on bass and uh, who was drummer man? Uh, Chuck Biscuit. Okay. Who did some time with Black Flag. Yeah. Like, there's some great and the demos they did with uh, the Slip It In stuff right. that never got released. That's really happening. Did Chuck Biscuit's playing the Misfits too? Am I making well, that? I know he was in Clint, uh, Danzig's band okay, yeah, because okay, he's so sitting on it. There's pictures of him on some giant goat. The drum sets up on a goat. <laughs> well, it's that's, a stage prop. It's yeah, yeah, no, I know. That's how you know he was in Danzig's yeah, band. Yeah, yeah. On it. So, I know, Misfits, <laughs> they had scary stuff, but no goats. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sam Hain didn't have 
which is pronounced wrong, people. Souden is that's how you pronounce Sowden. it. Don't, don't come after us, Glenn. Von Erie. Yeah. Erie Von. Erie Von. That was his name. Erie Von. That yeah. was his name. Yeah, yeah. The bass man. Uh-huh. I can't remember the guitar man. It wasn't uh, Doyle. It was, oh, in, in Souden, Sam Hain? Uh, wasn't it... Uh, All three guys were different. Wasn't it like uh, Lyle Pressler from... Uh, it might have been Lyle. Threat was played Meyer in Threat. one of He's those. a lawyer now. Right? Is he? Yeah. Well, isn't... Uh, well, what the guy from Circle Jerks is an accountant. Uh, I think Lucky. Yeah. No, I think he's a lawyer too. Yeah? Huh? Oh. Yeah, we went to law school. Blues lawyer. And, uh, the, the, and the other guy, the, bra- the bass man, he went to guitar and he's with Bad Religion, right? Oh, who's that? Brian Baker? Is that who you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. And then, oh, Greg Greg Hetson, too. I just saw one of those. Uh, and he's in there, too. I, just, they, I think he does punk rock karaoke with Stan Lee. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> Connect. But anyway, to get back to what you're into, it uh, was touring a lot, and DOA definitely. And, and Joey's got a new band. And he's part of the city council. I saw he's running for and council. Like, no, there. he's part of it. Oh, he's part of it. There was some legislation that, that just got passed about... Uh, Businesses not getting because you know the gentrification ain't just in Highland Park. It's yeah. all it's in fucking Vancouver too, and so yeah. people getting forced out of their pads and stuff. And Joey was part of some kind of thing to like put the gabosh on this yeah. stuff, you know, because that's one of the big causes of homelessness. You're throwing these people out because the properties, you know, they're used to paying a rent, and all of a sudden everything changes because I heard the it was. Some leche, some coffee thing in Highland Park called something leche. Cafe de leche. And when they saw that, the the the, the speculators of oh, this is going to be it. And so you have people there who was paying kind of you know rents they could afford, yeah. or how they live, mm-hmm. just tossed. But do you think it was because they said cafe de leche, which doesn't make sense, and so that was a sign that it was milk ju- and coffee? <laughs> but well, I mean, it's coffee from milk is the translation. So I figured. I know it should be. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's better, Cafe con leche. Yeah, there's know? a better. So I figured uh, if you uh, see that, and you know that Espanol. maybe you know that the they no, but it. that's probably why they were like this. <laughs> we don't have to pay Latin, working class Latin things right. because it's actually a poser trip, and they'll they'll pay. I was thinking that the other day. No, no, no. I was thinking that the other day in the shower. I was just thinking, you know, when I was I worked over there at a pizza place uh, in Highland Park Town Pizza that was like a new pizza place that came in, and subsequently uh, Mark Marin was filming his show there and went in for pizza afterwards, and the pizza I guess wasn't very good, and he got all pissed off and talked about it on Twitter and said it sucked, and they got in a whole brew. You know, he <laughs> being that close to New York City he probably knows what good pizza well, that's what tastes like. Way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he was complaining. It's hard to bite. Papa John or <laughs> fucking Domino, right? I mean, that yeah. bullshit. Well, they, these guys were, you know, this wasn't quite <laughs> that. They were fucking lame. Chef Boyardee, remember it? Are you uh, less young enough to remember that bullshit? I remember that shit, but I grew up with, uh, you know, like kind of a hippie mom, so I was eating yeah, like, uh, I was eating like, uh, kind of like those big, remember those big round rye Bobbly. Jewish no, 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 not bobbling. The Jewish right, bobbling, you can make your own thing out of make, whatever. Make your own pizza. <laughs> I always wanted to do that when I was go to the grocery store. The bobbling, store. like yeah. it's some pre-made crust yeah. thing. Right? What, about, what about Papa Murphy's where you just go and you pick it up and it's already just assembled and all you got to do is, is that cook it? it at home? Yeah, it's a I thing. Don't know yeah, I don't know if they have that down here anymore. But that was a whole thing too. Like that was like a weird, like you know, your mom doesn't have time to make food, so you go down to this place and you pick up a pre-made pizza and you Oof. come home and cook I don't it, know. You know I think learn how to cook. You're going to end up having to do it down the road anyway. That's what I did, man. I was you working, know, working in more restaurants. More econo, more healthy. Yeah. 
But I was working in this pizza place and they were there was a lot of like pushback on like the gentrification of yeah, Highland right. Park, you know? And when I first moved out to Highland Park, I moved there from Echo Park and people were like, oh man, you're retiring. There ain't shit out there. And I got to York Boulevard and I was like, man, this is going to be bars and restaurants and everything. You're exactly and, and, right. And I played high top. High hat. The high hat. High hat. Yeah. It, was it, it was like, a pool hall, right? It, my wife like and I used to go. <laughs> my wife and I used to go in there and shoot pool all the right, time, it was a, and it was just local like guys have to yeah, work right? for sure. Yeah, and and we loved it. And you could you know smoke cigarettes in there. And, so there's you know. a downside to hipster, of course. But what I'm trying to get at is is just like it's interesting with what's going on in the world. Just like the 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 people that are like kind of taking over this stuff are these these white married couples with strollers. Those are the ones that are pushed bulldozing these businesses through, you know. And and they came into Brooklyn, and now it's like they want now they want to change the like the laws for uh, like volume at night for clubs, yeah. you know. Now they all the people that were going to shows ten years ago and snorting fucking cocaine in the bathroom and meeting their significant other now they want to shut these places down. Ramona. That's why I don't have kids. Hill, right? Potero Hill up the city. Mm-hmm. They, they built a condo right behind her. Now, those people who moved in probably didn't realize. But that builder knew there was a club there that's been going on for 20 years. Which which hill? Which club is this? Bottom of the hill? Yeah, we're playing there in, in, in a month. Yeah, they got a lady boss, Ramona. Yeah, yeah. Which there ain't a lot of lady bosses yeah. in that racket. Potero Hill, right? The yeah. lodge up there is where OJ grew up. Oh, yeah, that is where O.J. grew up. Yeah. Shit, I forgot about that. There is that. an echo in here. <laughs> <laughs> but what was lame is those people... Yeah, But what was lame is those people, they probably didn't grow up in that... Like, you, you're saying those people knew. But I think some of these people move in, they don't know. They don't know what? What it was like before that condo was there. And no, they so don't they're, know they're that. They're coming yeah. in to d- disrupt. Yeah. Well, you're saying those people kind of knew because they did cho-cho and shit. And met yeah, those yeah, people. yeah. These people, they don't know. And where's all this noise from? Well, there's been a club here for 20 years. Yeah. And then this guy just built this condo. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm just saying. It pisses me off when the same people that were going to those shows are now telling those shows to be Well, you quiet. know what? They were probably selling. Yeah. That was probably one of the, the bullet points. Yeah. Hey, that's an arts... Area, yeah, yeah. and what do they want? They bring in the sterilizer, right? The the, the I call elder, them, the, the I call them children, rate. but yeah, it could be that. You don't have kids. You don't have kids. Uh, not biological. No, not bi- <laughs> but I'll play for young people. My te- uh, sisters are both teachers. None of us have biological. Yeah, but we do interact with younger. The next shift. Yeah. So, but not just biological. You mentioned uh, Kira earlier. Did you uh, congratulate her on the Oscars and all that stuff? You guys, Shit, yeah. Yeah, you guys still talking all that? All the time. We're yeah. tighter now than we were when we were married. Sure. Yeah. Uh, we've had dose over 35 years. She's had a hurt shoulder, can't really play as much bass now. Part of it's probably because of that work. But she likes it because it's independent. She's her own boss. Man, it's like I, hardcore, you know. It's a boys' club. She has to break her leg off and so many asses, but she does that. And she's not just an Oscar for Mad Max. She also got what's the TV one? Mm, I don't know. Golden Globe. Oh yeah, she got it for Mad Max and no, not oh Mad Golden Max. Globe is just like she the, got Oscar for Mad Max. Yeah. She got John Adams miniseries and Game of Thrones. Okay, yeah. Oh, the Emmy. Emmy. Yeah, Emmy. Yeah. That's what it is. Right, right, right. It's Emmy. Golden Globes is movies, too. Golden Globes is no, just like is foreign. This is T. Foreign press. Hollywood foreign press. Yeah, this is T. Yeah, that's cool. I love and then that. And the one that she really likes is from uh, The Real, because that's the peers. 
She has one of these golden reels. Oh, okay, okay, it's from right. them. The other right. like SAG editors. or something like that. Like, no, it's from the other editors. Ah, the editors. That's wow. what she does. She does editing for uh, movies and television. Sometimes she got to make the sound effects. Yeah, uh, something called ADR. They're not close enough to the mic. They come back in and they. Yeah, I've done a few things. ADR jobs. She does myself. a lot of her shit by herself. Mm-hmm. But she she also has to go into these big theaters like on the Paramount studio thing they're like movie theaters and all these desks and the producers and the director and all the mucky mucks are there and it's really intense i've done prac with her where we do our dose prac and then she goes on to do this thing where they're uh, there's a lot of money involved I man it's an incredible collaboration those those things yeah and then you have a lot of clowns that don't really do stuff but they have to make it look like they're needed sure so she has to deal with that justifying their existence you know right i've worked on a bunch of like small indie films and just even like on these independent films when i'm either on crew or i'm acting or doing something the amount of people it takes just to get shit done is crazy and nobody wants it you can't you can't pick up something unless you are deemed the person that picks that thing up or some union guy's gonna come over there and tell you not to do it well some of them guys you know they get hurt they get killed some of those guys wait long hours. Uh, the, the guy I share practice pad here at Angels Gate Cultural Center, where he builds, sometimes he has 16, 18 hour days. And these are union things. They got to drive home after this shit. Yeah. I would and imagine that a lot of these brutal. union guys, these, these, uh, it's still brutal. Crew members would live it in. It comes down to money. Yeah. Even though there's big budgets in the catering, you see all, there's lots of filming in Pedro here. You must see it all the time. Furman and Beach. Yeah. Okay. So you see this, and even with all that, it's still pretty tough. How often are you practicing these days? Like, how often do you go in and have band? When practice? I do practice, we, they're like sets, so we're an hour. Okay. Like I'll practice today at five thirty. Yeah. Right. With my second man, and it's like running a set. So I like to do them all the time, but I don't like long ones. Right. <laughs> That's yeah. funny. That's how we started out. We used to do these five, six-hour ones where it's just like ideas and people smoking weed and people show up when they can. And now that when you get to the point where you're touring all the time and you're making records, it's like get in every day you can, but get in and get out of there. You yeah, know? absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no no smoking, no drinking. We just go there. it's almost like a gig. Yeah, we drink water, we get in, we fucking play it and we 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 don't even we just but we don't even wave goodbye. Like that, your chops stay up. Yeah. If you make big old gaps and then uh, who's got 6 hours? Well, I think now you know when you're, you're at some a more point, younger man maybe. Well, that's what I'm saying when you're younger you got time and when you're older it's But it, we're all young. It's it, just more or less. It becomes more oh, of a it's gone, right? <laughs> it's more of a physical thing for me now. It used to be a mental yeah. thing. Now I got to work on the physical because before I was trying to like generate it mind-wise. Now I got to keep my body in shape to do it, you know. Yeah, and I like the way you say practice. These people use the R word. I don't like that. Yeah, I mean, that's for actors. I, I've yet to hear a basketball player say, you know, I'm going to go to the gym and rehearse some hoops. No, no, no. We don't say that. We have had this conversation before with people, too. Yeah, it's like, it's I, like, I'm a practice guy, man. Yeah, yeah. what's wrong with practice? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I like practice. You know what I like? I like practice, and I like unloading and loading gear for some reason. It's like a, sick, it's like a sickness, the you know? Schlep. I mean, we have a lot of Yiddish words because it's showbiz tradition, and it's, we're talking about strength and stuff and being less younger, and... Luckily, bass stuff has gotten a lot lighter. Yeah. I use, yeah, I use a 212 cab that's 40 pounds, 1200 watts. Right. I had a little shine cart. All my stuff all together is 100 pounds. It's like one of my 410s. You use one of those like little Mark bass amps? Is that what you use? The... I use for amp, I use a, for preamp, 
a DNA thirteen fifty. Okay. It's nine pounds. It's also got a thirteen hundred and fifty watt amp. I put it into one twelve for six hundred and twenty five amp. You use a twelve inch speaker? Six hundred and seventy five. For what that and then the two twelve goes into a crown XL six XLS fifteen oh two. It weighs seven pounds and it's a mono. Yeah. I put mono, so it's fifteen hundred watts. So I got Twenty eight hundred watts. Yeah, going through three twelves at hundred pounds. One watt going through twenty eight hundred watts. One watt through twenty eight hundred watts. Uh huh. How come hundred pounds on a shine cart? <laughs> so me having a bad fucking knee, I could still get my shit around. Yeah, yeah. You couldn't do that in the more older days. Well, they're starting to make it for guitar too. So that's the whole I thing. I played right with now. a guy up in the city at the chapel in the mission. This guy had a stool, like Brother Damon's on. Had a lunch pail. Yeah. A little gray fucking thing. Yeah, I've seen that amp. It, yeah, what Z Z something? Some Z yeah, was in yeah. the name, and this dude was powering the stage. I mean, there was a mic on it and was going sure. through the PA, but it was good enough for stage. Yeah. I mean, it was a lunch pail. Uh huh. So, so why not? Yeah, you I, know, did, weighs did, less than the guitar. Did you go down to Nam? I the Watt Plier Mark II came out, so I was there for Reverend Guitars and the uh, Earthquake people. Had me do some pedal. I'm not big on pedals with the bass. No, because all the the kick drum stuff gets taken out. Okay, the kick drum from the actual drums or the no. Fe- there's a kind of a sound a kick drum right. go- gives that gives a thud mm-hmm. and a punch. Because if I know we got strings and shit, but really the closest thing to us is the kick drum. Maybe some toms, but we're definitely not a guitar. Right, you're playing along with the the kick. Well, right? just the sounds. Right, you're in that range. So, I want to hear in the, the fuzz makes it all mushy and shit. Yeah, how come you use? But uh, I did a lot for them because they're nice people, and then Curtis Novak because I, I like his pickups. When you were when you were, I was there one day and went to three different booths, and then that night I played a gig with some other Reverend guitar people. In fact, Joe Lolly, uh, Naylor, there, <laughs> Joe Lolly. You know he moved back to the U.S. Wait, He's who's got Joe a Lally? band? Well, you were saying Fugazi. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Bass player, yeah, yeah. He was living a long time in Rome with his mother-in-law and his wife, and now he's back in D.C., and he's got a band called Mesthetics. Yes, I listened to him. With Brandon. Yeah. Brendan. Brendan. Brendan Canty. And And uh, a crazy, like, uh, jazz guitar player. Like, he's like a shredder. More like Prague. He's a shredder. He's like a fucking surfing with the alien. kind of dude. Yeah, yeah. Joe Satriani. I wouldn't say Satriani Vi as much... The Buckethead's more like that. Okay, okay. He's, yeah, he's more like that. But gotcha. I think this guy's more like Could Nel- be Buckethead Nels for all we know. If you know Nels Klein. I love Nels Klein. Yeah. I read more- that Amp Du Jour thing. Did you ever read that where he went and played a different amp every night on tour? He just brought he brought his pedal with, in. With Welco? Uh, no, no, no. With his own, uh, I think it might have been the trio or just him solo. Well, no more trio, but there's Nels Klein singers. But this was a long time ago, though. He did like a he he toured. Uh, the trio is before he started playing with me. That's when he ended that band. In fact, Michael, I just saw DC, who was a drummer, just ended. He calls it the Nels Klein Singers. Okay, well, this is a and thing. And now there's a quartet he's got <laughs> too. Well, I just know this because no, I believe that you uh, know this. And, 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 and I, I also uh, uh, know he's got something with his wife, Yuka Honda, called Cup. Okay. But she plays in the singers too, and she also there's something called the quartet when he plays with this uh, younger guitar man, Chronos Quartet, Julian. Uh huh. No, Chronos is like they're a chamber. I think they're uh, two violins and two cellos. Right. Right. Chronos. 
got me. Got yeah, me Nels out. is more got of a guitar backwards. man, but he's played with people like that. He'll play with anybody. In fact, I did a proj with him and Nick from uh, Terramelos, who's kind of a shred guy. He's uh-huh. kind of like this. Yeah, I just saw a younger him. guy. I just found see out this guy's a younger guy yeah. who's with playing with Brendan and but he's look. I think Nels. I, I didn't mean to make it sound like this guy is a Nels guitar. What I think is Nels Klein has opened it up for a lot of right. I'm helping some guy named Mike Begetta. There's a lot of these guitar players and and, and also some ladies. Ava uh, got uh, Devin Hoff turned me on to her. Uh, she. There's there's women doing this stuff too. There's a lady in Sacktown, you know this whole thing where you don't have to really play like Steve Vai or Joe right. Satriani, right? Nothing against those guys; they're incredible musicians and really good. But there's a lot of ways to be kind of way out guitar. In fact, if you ask me, a guy going way back that Joe kind of Satriani kind of borrowed from was Elliot Sharp, uh-huh. who comes from the Lower East Side scene, John, uh, John Zorn and all this. Yeah. Well, uh, well, because like, uh, and you being a guitar player, you can appreciate this this idea where you don't have to play like the guy doing the thing at the Shit Hard Center. You can just let the freak flag fly. Yeah, but I mean, I like Steve I too. Like Steve I played. No, with, there's nothing wrong with it. I know, but I'm saying he played this with PIL. Frank, he played with Johnny Rotten. You dude, know, like he played with Frank Van Zappa. I think. Yeah, he played. With, he studied with Frank Zappa. You know, before no, I that. think he studied with actually Joe Santriani, but Frank Zappa takes him on because he's good enough. Oh, okay. Like Frank Zappa had this thing. Okay. Yeah. Like I met the drummer man. Right, he wrote the Black Page. Uh, Terry Bozio. Uh huh. Right? Is yeah. that his name? Yeah. Little guy. Yeah. Sweet guy. He can play like a motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, he came off stage. In fact, he was taking, we were talking about Dave. He was, Dave was playing with uh, Mike Patton for, uh, not not that less. Oh, Dave Lombardo. Patton. Dave Lombardo, yeah. He was playing for Fantomas. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah. And Dave, and, 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 and uh, Terry was uh, flipping the page of the music with his drum stick. He's learning the shit while he's doing it at a huge stadium in Sao Paulo. He comes right off the stage and just starts talking to me for like an hour. Yeah. He doesn't even get a towel. Just gets over to the nicest guy in the world. So I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to say these guys can't play or stuff, but there's a certain kind of way of playing where I think Nell's opened up this... Uh, sure. It seemed like you had to play a pick between rock and jazz. Right. And I think... You don't have to. Well, that I was, think it's all. You know what I mean? If you're a guitar man, music is music. That's what I was trying to get at yeah. earlier about the punk and the metal thing. It's like that's why the song's called punk I'm, fucking I'm a, metal because I'm it's totally a, on it's your a, side. It's about a that. joke because when we would go to yeah. Europe in Germany, like people would be like, "Are you punk? Are you metal? What are like asking you these questions?" And so I was just like, "I made." No, a joke I saw some uh, old interviews with who's the first singer. Uh, first singer. Yeah. Of what? The Australian guys. Uh, he died in a Volkswagen. First singer. Bon Scott. Oh, of ACDC. And oh, he yeah. had a big thing with the punk rockers. Oh, yeah? Because I think they were competition or something. Ah, uh, yeah. In 1976. You, yeah. Know? <laughs> it don't, you know, it doesn't matter. Too bad. He was a beautiful guy. And, and music's music. And, you know, who's to say what? But I think punk isn't even a music style in my book. It's more of a sure. state of the mind. Headspace. Yeah, yeah, right, right. But I mean, I think what you're getting at, though, too, which is cool about the Nels Klein thing, is like the the further we get along in this, this it, everything starts to blur together, and people care a lot less than they used to, maybe. You about know? labels. Yeah, exactly. They care more about the music. Yeah. Just playing. Yeah, just for playing. sure. 
Yeah, yeah. And, and putting these labels, I think that was marketing people's idea to make their job easier. Maybe our job is to make their job really hard. But I run into it. It's funny. I run into it in, in Europe, though. That's the thing. Like when you go over there. It's because you and too. I have the same booking agency in, in Europe, Swamp Booking. Well, I've used Ricky yeah. a couple times, and I think he's going to book the he's going to book the next tour. Yeah, but, but I, it's just funny they want to know. I was with uh, they want to know a who long you time. Are. I was with uh, well, what kind of genre? Yeah, genre. So but they can put it on the flyer. That shit's over here too. It's mm-hmm. not just a European thing. It's just a lazy way thing, and in the long run, it's very harmful. I think to to the music scene in general. Yeah, um, getting back. So why do you use twelve inch speakers? Yeah, I used. I went to twelves with these. Uh, they're made in England. It's called Barefaced and Brighton. And one thing I wanted to try them out because they were so light. But then when I used them, it was like, God damn, they got the punch because they're fast enough. The the problem with the fifteen was it was too slow, and so mm-hmm. you couldn't get the attack. But the tens, in a way, didn't get you the deepness that the twelves do. They're they're weird. They'll, you know, before I saw Jack Bruce or listened to him play it through the Marshalls and shit, but 12s, and I think like, Geezer Butler's a big fan of 12s, but a lot of bass Steve players... Steve Harris from Iron Maiden uses these like, 12s. He uses of guitar people, speakers, you know, like guitar well, That's what, what, what Jack Bruce was doing, right? With the yeah, Marshall because you couldn't things. get like bass amps back then. Though, like, well, there was the SVT, that's in the late 60s, and right. those things were 810s. Right. And so what happens is they all combine to make like kind of one big speaker, but... I don't know. There wasn't enough. I, I was never a big fan. I had to use SVCT so many times because rental stuff. And I guess they're better. They're a known thing, but a lot, of, a lot of stuff is buried. You can get away with playing a lot of wrong notes. People don't know. Right. <laughs> the 12s. The one thing about the, this stuff I got, man, if you hear a bad note, people know. Yeah. That's why I like the Marshall really JCM 800 that I play now because it's the same thing where it's like you've got to play it right or, or they'll let you know because a lot of these like metal guys, they use these like really super saturated amps and you can kind of fake it, you know, but like on this thing, I can't fake it, you know, it sounds like. Sounds like, uh, you know, K.K. Downing or something like that. You know? I saw them when they first played down in Hollywood. It was at the Whiskey. And uh, they had a lot of, uh, you know, the speaker boxes didn't have speakers. <laughs> yeah, well, you got to make uh, it. <laughs> the opening act, it was crazy. It was Gary Valentine. who I don't know that guy. Yeah, he played bass for Blondie when they were called oh. Stilettos. And oh, okay. So it was this little new wave trio. Yeah. Opening up for, this is like late 70s, right? Right. For, for for Judas Priest, well, it's a good record. Sad Wing, Sad Wings of Destiny. Destiny, and Stained Class is another. Just I don't know that, that one. Fucking, but I know. You know what I like about De- that band? Destiny. That band to me sounds like Thin Lizzy. They sound like ZZ Top. They sound like Black Sabbath. They sound like themselves. They got all of that. Well, the singer's really high. He's great. Really but strong. I mean, yeah, I think he lives in Zona. Yeah, he's an Arizona guy. <laughs> yes, he does. How <laughs> should we just talking about? He's wearing a white shirt. He was so choked out of his head he could barely stand up. But God, did he have pipes? I think he was the uh, grand grandmaster at the uh, gay pride parade in Phoenix a couple years ago. You know, and uh, a bunch oh yeah, of guys yeah, live, the biggest secret. A bunch uh, of guys live out the there though. Secret. Dave Mustaine lived out lives out there. Alice Cooper, they're all like Arizona. It's no, no, no. Golf. Alice Cooper's from there. He's from there. There's a yeah, yeah. There's a song on. School's out called Camelback. And uh-huh. that's, a, that's the name of a school. What's the rich thing? Scottsdale. Scottsdale, yeah. Scottsdale, yeah. 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 Something with the golf courses. And they're, they're from. In fact, Alice Cooper was the name of the band. He took the band's name. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I heard he's going to do, you know, the drummer's got a, not the drummer, the bass player's got a band with two of the Blue Oyster Cult guys. Oh, really? And they they told me that Al Cooper's going to play with, because it was really sad. He got rid of those guys. Yeah. Like 76 or something. He's going to do a tour with them. One of them's gone, right? In fact, I think South Dakota, where Glenn Buxton was last living, and the liquor got him. But the guy, rest of the guys are, are still there. Mike Bruce and Dennis Dunaway and Neil Smith. And he's going to tour with them. Yeah. Which is kind of... You know, everybody else is playing with their old friends. These guys like went to high school with each other. Yeah. But you, you're right. You know, another guy lives out there, uh, Greg Sage. Mm-hmm. Oh, Wipers. yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's... I mean, because I'm from Portland originally. Wipers... That was the only punk band. Wipers and Dead Moon. I mean, like, I didn't even know... Yeah, those I, guys go back before even Wipers. Yeah, well, they, they... Fred was out here in the 60s in L.A., but I Right, mean, right. When I was... When I, when, I didn't even know until I was you know, in my early 20s that, like, my two favorite bands were from the town that I grew up in. Because I grew up you in Clackamas, Oregon. You know, they had a lathe. Oregon. Yeah. They had a lathe in their they had, pads. So they, they had the Louis Louis lathe. It was the yeah, lathe that they cut right, Louis Louis the Kingsman. Yeah. Yeah, she bought it for him. Because I, I was working at Sub Pop, and I and I kind of put together, like, a compilation like, with them, you know, years ago. But, I mean, I love that band, you know, and, and the Wipers. But, you know? but the Wipers, yeah, uh, the first three records, especially in... in at that time, those days, I think only one club. I think only Satyricon. Satyricon I remember yeah. us, when we finally played there, the Minutemen got to play there. Greg said, uh, actually, D. Boom went through the stage, kept playing. George ran it. This guy looked totally, he's a Greek guy, but he looked totally like Carlos Santana. Yeah. My wife beat her on. It was bad. <laughs> that was a heavy part of town, too. Yes. Yeah. Uh, outside on the sidewalk was pretty intense. That's but, uh, well, my dad uh, worked in Milwaukee, an area called Milwaukee down there, in a print shop in the you know in the eighties in Portland. You know, and I, this was the eighties, this was yeah, the early eighties. Sure, and Greg I, Sage was at the gig. Yeah, he's leaning up against the wall. He had, I think, he just had chemo or something. His hair was kind of wispy, and he had kind of a bandana around a headband. And for Georgie and Deboon and me, it was really intense that he was at that gig because we were really those three records meant a lot to us. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Even and and that I love that acoustic record that he did too. Straight ahead. Did you listen to that one? I don't think that's called Wipers. No, it's just Greg Sage. Yeah. It's it's but Wipers record. was Greg Sage. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But those first three records, yeah. I think each band, each record was a different band. I think you're right too. Yeah. And in fact, I the drummer man on the first record, different bass player. No, d- the different band, uh, bass and drummer. I think all so. three bands have three di- different lineups. Yes. But Sam Henry was playing drums for that first record, and I m- got to meet him. And I asked him, "What was it like to be in the Wipers?" And he said, "Well, <laughs> he said torn." He said, "Greg Sage, rule number one: no laughing in the van." Yeah. And then he had to drive, and he did like thirty-five miles an hour. So. <laughs> it was kind of rough. He was playing bass by this time in Napalm Beach. Napalm Beach, yeah, that's what I was going to say. And yeah, that's funny. I, I had Sam a, Henry. That and a, a trippy thing. Well, Jay Mascus will tell you when you play those three Wiper records, no kick drum. <laughs> there's no kick no drum kick in drum. The mix. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. But there's just such great, and it sounds like the same song in a way, but they're not. It's just great. Also, that I mean, that, that guitar playing is really hard to figure out what the hell he's doing too, because he's doing a weird thing where he's, he's left hand. He's got the like the thumbs coming over the top of the neck. Yeah, everybody so did that in those days. Those weird like Pete Town- extra look at pictures, chords, you know. Look at well, they're bar chords. Yeah, 
Yeah, there was a funny way that rock and rollers played, and it comes from the blues guys. Uh huh. But they would wrap their thumb over. Look at pictures of Pete Townsend. They make bar chords like this. Right. They don't do this. Right. Right. Yeah. Bar was actually some guy's name. Uh huh. It's not a bar. It's R R E. Yeah. B A R R E. Right. Yeah. yeah. So they do this kind of thing. Right. Right. With the thumb over, and I I even play bass with the thumb over sometimes. It's like frowned upon by classical people, but he he did have, and he, he also built his own shit. I yeah, think built his own gear. Yeah, and and this little studio he had track. Well, and uh, you know his idea was never to do gigs. He didn't want to do wiper gigs. He right. just wanted to make records. Yeah, but he found out like if you don't do gigs, like people aren't going to know about the records. So he started doing the. Gigs. It's like uh, you know uh, Arthur Lee and Love. Like they met, never made it out of L.A. You know, like per near no. You know, the, the and, band and then I feel like that's why that band you know does didn't have the mainstream sort of thing as like the Doors and all these bands that got so big. You know. I mean, yeah, among other got reasons, the push but, either. but they just didn't tour because you know, and like, so people didn't know well, about they're them. Mixed, you know? yeah, yeah. And I think mixed that was still new for those times. Yeah, you know, like the management telling Jimmy he had to get rid of Buddy. Right, right, right. Bands too black. You know? Yeah, and so uh, maybe that might have been a problem with uh, Love or like the Equals from UK. You know, there was all kinds of mixed bands. Yeah, and there was black rock bands coming out of Detroit. Yeah. Like, Hate. Well, the the band, uh, the what's the one? Uh, Death from Detroit. Death. Is yeah. the classic one. There was yeah, a, but there was one called Pure Hell. I mean, yeah, that's uh, they were like a DC band, I think, right? Yeah, something like that. There was one from Seattle too that was like a bunch of guys that had gotten stationed up in Tacoma uh, in the military, and they didn't even know about this music, and then they heard Jimi Hendrix. You know, Jimmy's from. Yeah, I know Jimmy's from there, and they heard Hendrix, but, but, and so they started a band because they were like, but Jimmy wasn't like, doing that there. He did that in England. No, I know, but they heard it. And you they know what like, he was doing here? He was playing behind Little Richard and stuff. The yeah, Isley playing, Brothers. Yeah, the Isley Brothers played guitar for the Isley I read the No, book. but Little Richard kicked him out for showing him up. <laughs> I, I like this one king. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I read that but, book, but too. That, but they, he tried, you know, he got his things up by doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chops up, you know. Whenever you play music, you're always invested in the next time. That's why that genre of stuff is so stupid. Yeah. Play whatever you want, you know. And it's all an education. Evolution. So, yeah, evolution. So Jimmy coming out of there, and if those brothers coming out of Tacoma uh, were into it, you know, that's why George Clinton put together Funkadelic. He thought there was going to be a big market for black guys playing hard rock. Why not? Jimmy. Right, right. But you know, there was. <laughs> so Funkadelic, he, they were kids, right? They were teenagers. He gets them because the Parliament guys, one of them had to go to the army or something, but then he goes and puts them together in the same band yeah. kind of. Do you ever watch that Tales from the Tour Bus show, that Mike Judge show, the guy that did Beavis and Butthead? He's got a country one, and then he's got he's a funk Dallas, one. right? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, somewhere around there. But he's he got... put me in a video with Beavis and Butthead, I think for <laughs> Piss Bottle Man. Oh, yeah, I think I think I've I never met the guy, but his stuff is pretty funny. Yeah, I just thought you might like that show, because they did a whole season all about funk, and they did one on P-Funk, and then they did one all about country, and they Johnny Paycheck. It's all animated, but I wonder if they're going to do a punk rock one. They should have you in there, though. I think it would be a good one. <laughs> what, is it Beavis and Butthead? No, it's just animated. Oh, they okay. animate the bands, you know, and they okay. have, like, James Brown animated. Well, they would have a video, and the Beavis and Butthead guys would make fun of yeah, the video. Yeah, yeah. I, I grew up on it. I watched it with my fucking dad. Like, that was, like, I was obsessed I didn't, I didn't with it. I grew up on it, but I remember seeing I it. I came home from school I every day. I thought it was kind of funny. Oh, it's hilarious, you know. My friend uh, Adam uh, uh, Adam Wade, he played in this band, uh, Shudder to Think, DC band. He's a drummer in that. He sure, played, sure, sure. Yeah, Nathan. Jawbox. 
Uh, and then a singer man I just saw maybe a year ago with the high voice. But the, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's uh, he does. I think he's living here now. He does music for TV and film. That's what he does. He? Uh, uh, Craig, I think his name is. Yeah, his name's Craig. Um, but uh, great they, guy. They, they're all great guys. And I I'm, saw him at a book thing. Jo- Jonathan Lethem put out a book out Claremont and stuff. He teaches there, and and Craig was there. Yeah, Craig, Craig Weirden. Yeah, and they uh, they had a Shutter the Think had a video on. Uh, Beavis and Butthead, and, and in the video, my friend Adam, who was a drummer at the time, comes out of this. They're on a boat, you know, and uh, Beavis and Butthead said, oh, look, it's Don Henley. Yeah, well, the drummers <laughs> used to sing, right? I think Craig he, did all the singing, and he did that like Freddie Mercury I think they thought voice. he just looked like Don Henley. Oh, yeah, yeah, because Henley was a sick. Not always. Glenn Fry, they all sing. Yeah. Though they were, that's a weird band, though, man. That's a like a that that's a hard band to play. That that music's hard to play. What they're doing, they were playing some weird stuff for a rock band. Kind Shutter of progressive, think, you yeah. Know, yeah. A lot of time change and crazy music. Yeah, yeah. I think they wanted to have a lot of fun at what they were doing, you know. But they come from the punk scene. Yeah, yeah. That's what I loved about them. You know, made people think about maybe it's not a haircut or beats per minute, you know. I remember that word. Here in Pedro, that word was somebody got fucked in jail for cigarettes. We couldn't believe somebody would call their band that. What was it? Punk oh, rock. oh, punk, punk, yeah, punk. Punk rock. Uh, uh, right, right, right. Punk, punk you, you, you lit a fire. Yeah. Works with it was like, uh, yeah. what's that shit called? Camel shit. What? No, it's uh, feed it in prison. Saltpeter. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's on a lick and it'll stay lit so you can keep lighting the fireworks oh that's a that, punk that, that yeah. was called a yeah, punk yeah you light your fireworks with it you know yeah yeah. yeah that's what we always get yeah maybe it was <laughs> and uh so when we heard the word but then when we saw the scene it was like oh these people they just don't fit in so they're making their own scene right and we thought that was okay yeah you know and okay use that word if you want it doesn't matter well it's like a lot but of words idea- like that people huh? the, a lot of words that are used to like sort of marginalize people they they will then take those words and then change it back. You know, you see that. In well, it. hopefully, like Krautrock, right? <laughs> I mean, those was, guys kind of hated that. I mean, they just happened to be Germans. You it, could, it wasn't like one fucking scene. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking of more extreme words than that. But, you know, you can say anything to a German. They, they're going to love it anyway. They, they have a good yeah, time. Well, know? they like it. I think it was that guy wrote the book and he called him Kyle. A lot oh, of yeah. those guys didn't dig that. Julian Cope. Yeah. I think when he wrote that yeah. book, right, right, people right. started saying that. And, you know, Noy and Traffic and Faust and Kraftwerk and okay, they're German guys. Then d- later on, Derplan and DAF and mm-hmm. but and uh, fucking Rammstein. You know, <laughs> that's all Krautrock. It's, no, you're just saying it's German guys. Yeah, yeah. Now they were trying to find their own way. Yeah, I think the same thing with the punk guys, but. Uh, or like Tangerine Dream or something like that. I was just listening to them the other day. I thought it's funny. Yeah, Tangerine- the guy who came out of there, Kla- Klaus Schulze. Tangerine James, one of these bands that's funny because they still play, but there's no original members. No, the guy, the main guy died about six years ago. But there's another guy that kind of oversees the band because the band now is like... Well, it was two guys. They first started as the three guys. And then real early on, Klaus Schulze left. And he's still around. He he ran the label. He made, yeah, Brain. He made these, he put out his own double albums of these synthesizer. And uh, yeah, well, Thin Lizzy, I think the mom was running the band. Mm-hmm. Right there, there's no Phil line it. Yeah, but she would find guys who sang like him. Right, I think there's a U.S. guy, uh, Paul Rogers or whatever. No, Ro- Paul Rogers is a free singer. Yeah, I thought he sang first. Roberts, 
No, he's saying for Queen. Oh. If you can believe oh, it. Bad yeah, Company, yeah. Right, Free. Right, 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 right. No, uh, Brian Robertson. Okay. I think he played a little bit for Motorhead, too, but he was the U.S. guy. Oh, uh, yeah. They Finn did that Lizzie. Motorhead album. It's called like Another Perfect Day or whatever, and it's kind of like so, a pop album. It's they like, didn't it's like real, it. like, yeah. I don't think they like it. Doesn't it doesn't sound like Motorhead. I like that record, but well, it Well, Lemmy got rid of those guys yeah, for a while, yeah. right? Fast Eddie yeah. and Phil. Yeah. That was the real band, right? Yeah. And then he got some other guys that were... Uh, pretty good but they were kind of doing a fill and sure 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 anything yeah but but this guy he's on the jailbreak okay yeah. and uh and i think he played with the band after in the moms and she just passed away but she was like running the band and there was no you know how can you have a fill line it less thin lizzie i don't know yeah. man i i right I, he's kind of the main dude I feel, yeah, they kinda. had all kinds of guitar guys. They yeah. did. They had Gary Moore in the band sure. for a while. Yeah, we went to we went and played in uh, Dublin, and we went to see the Phil Lynott statue, and it, and it was yeah. and it was gone. And we were we were walking wow. around like looking all over, like we were confused, like what the fuck happened to the Phil Lynott statue? And a guy walked up and told us that a, a, a lorry driver had knocked it over, and it was in for repairs. Truck. So. Yeah, I see. It. There's a Jim Joyce one too. They call him they call it the prick with the stick. He's got like a cane. <laughs> Yeah, would you ever go and play like Phil, you, Phil's got his bass I mean you did the Stooges thing like was that like did you have those thoughts like it's hard to step in here and like play bass for Mike the, Alexander yeah. and Ronnie yeah well Ronnie was still with him he was still yeah six but did seven, were you apprehensive about that like feeling like you weren't the original guy or well, no I was not the original guy I know did you feel I was weird not about a that? Stooge no because I was helping him out and I yeah. never called myself a Stooge right right I remember at the Hall of Lame when they got in, Scotty son at the mic, he goes, uh, microphone. He says, Mike was never a stooge, but he could have been one. Yeah. And that was very kind of him. Yeah. And I never I never called Egg Jim. I never assumed shit like that. Right. I was there to help. They wanted to do uh, some gigs. At first, it was one. I didn't know it was going to be more than one gig. I remember I was in Tallahassee with my second man, and after sound check, I think it was the second cow house. And hey, Watt, it's the phone, and it was Ig on the phone, and he says, hey, "Ronnie says you're the man. Would you wear a, a t-shirt instead of a flannel?" I said, "Fuck yeah." <laughs> That's John Fogarty's idea, anyway. <laughs> so what about Levi and Converse? He said, "That's strong." I was like, "Woo!" So he talked to me about the stage lighting and having a nightmare where the drummer was in lime green and the bass player was in orange or some shit. You know, we'll have that together. And by, and by the way, however we end the songs, that's how we end them. And he said, bye. You know, I'll see you in two weeks. And I was like, what the fuck? You know, however we end them, we end them. But then I remember the first album, you know, they had to write songs for that. When they got signed, they had no song. A Stooges, they were called Psychedelic Stooges. And gig was like 45 minutes of them improvising so they had to write songs so more than half the songs on that album are fade outs mm -hmm. so that's what Ig was talking about yeah yeah but i didn't realize that at the time two weeks later i left my guys in memphis and i flew back there was a one practice in sir in hollywood and that was a total mind blow now i got sick on the flight i didn't tell them but it was like a 20-foot pool cue it was at my yang man i just Sweating to death, white, clammy. And we're in that prac room. It's all mirrors. It's just Ashton Brothers, me and Ig. 
and it's like a fucking gig. Iggy's jumping all around the place, man. Those guys are going at it. There was places where Iggy said, no, that's not right. Ronnie, sh show him how that goes. So Ronnie would show me. I always felt like I was there. That I owed them my best notes. I mean, I don't think we would have even had a movement without that band. But I never assumed I was Stooges. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I come from a different time. I was only a boy when those guys were doing that stuff in the 60s. Not, nothing about them. Now, without them, I don't think we would have had a movement and there would have been a Minuteman. But that's still not enough to, like, say... You know, it's funny. Michael Alexander's middle name is David, right? David Alexander. David Michael Alexander. Mm -hmm. I'm Michael David Watt. We have the same name switched back. I asked him about him. He says, you got to talk to Ronnie because he was his friend. Yeah, I didn't know a lot. It's, I only knew the music, mm -hmm. you know? And you know, being in a band, it's more than just the music. Now, music is what the listeners know and what the gig goers know. But do you really know a band till you're in the band? And when are you really in the band? Now, on that Mark Maron show, the... Big asked him about. And in fact, we were listening to it. I was doing prac with Scotty. We would prac before the gigs. We were in the hotel room. It might have been that last gig in San Jose. It was Larry. It wasn't Scotty. It was Larry was doing the drums. And Ig said, Mark asked me, him about me. And Ig says, Oh, he's deranged. And I could see James Williams' face get angry. I said, James, don't worry, man. Ig calling you deranged is not a bad thing. And then right after that, Ig said, well, he's always been there for us. 100%. So I thought that was really nice of him to say. I remember one time he gave me a talk. Some heavy stuff was going down when we were recording the weirdness in Chicago. He goes, Mike, there's two things I like about you. You're not afraid of work. And you got respect for people. So, you know, that's enough for me. I don't have to be called a stooge. That, that I could help that band like that. And them, them liking that. that That's enough for me. And, and, and it's fake anyway. Because how could I be? I'm not from that time. I'm 10, 11 years too young. But that was neat finally being the youngest guy in the band. I never had older brothers. Uh, it was a, the whole experience. Yeah. You, you can imagine me being around them guys. My ears, about the size of elephants, and total foam rubber trying to soak up everything. I asked them about a million questions all the time. I loved being around them. They were just so, you know, Ig with culture and Ronnie with history, Scotty in nature, Brother Steve with the politics. And then later with James Williamson, very kind to me too. <clears throat> Their helper men, there's only a couple of them. Josh and Max, Henry the Roadbox. I mean, it was like kind of coming into a, a trippy family where I could help out. It was something I'd never done before. Yeah. You know, I kind of helped out with the Porno for Pyro guys, a couple of tours, and then Jay Mascus. But not a lot of experience at that. Luckily, it's music I love. You know, a lot of these guys, 
They get the, what is it called? Sideman-itis. Yeah, like a paid gig or Yeah, like or something like that. Gig, you know what I mean? Guy or something like and that. And how much heart can you put in there? Yeah, I know. And luckily, I've never had to do stuff like that. Yeah. Well, I think, you know. But I think life's about taking turns. It's good to do a little of that. Even sessions. To, to me, the hardest is session. Right. I, you know, you come in there, like uh, this lady won this game show. And I was asked to come in to do six songs. And like the song's already done. You're actually going over somebody else's track, which is bad Carmen enough. You got to learn the song. You got to come up with a part. Then you got to play it in front of all these people. Man, what a pants shitter. I think it's healthy to do a little bit of that, but man, to do a whole thing. The best thing, of course, is to do your own band. Yeah. But I have also found if you're a boss... You're not going to learn everything. You're always going to get your way. So if you're going to ask guys to help you with your band, maybe you should learn how to help guys with their bands, yeah. like taking direction with the students. Sometimes there's straight out out collaboration, which I'm doing right now with Todd Conch uh, with the Jump Started Plowhards, right? Mm -hmm. uh, recess record guy, Toys That Kill. Oh yeah, I loved FYP when I was a kid. That was one of the first bands I ever saw. Like like well, you like know, non-famous bands. He's you got know? tons of bands, right? Yeah, yeah. And they're, they're, no matter what he calls them, they're always Todd, right? Yeah. Well, and the bass player's name was Jed at the time, so I was kind of thrilled yeah, at that he, when I was like the, 13 years old. I think the know. fucking, it was over here. Yeah. Right? He wrote Penny, Peggy Slew on his arm and jumped off the cliff. Yeah. I heard about The motor that. running and shit. Yeah. Jesus. Really sad. But anyway, so I thought, you know what? I'll write some songs for Todd. I said, just different drummer. Yeah. Okay, you sing, you play the guitar. So you can do shit like that. I mean, there's lots of different ways to sure. make bands. I'm, I'm going to go out on tour this uh, March and April with Mike Baguetta. This guy, this is the first time where I've just made a record last month. Strong Beach, there's a studio, Big Ego, Chris Schlarb. This guy wrote all my bass lines. Now, that's kind of like Stooges, where Ronnie and Dave Alexander wrote the bass lines, or Porto, or, or Jay Maskus wrote those. But this guy wrote them for me. I'm not, I'm not taking the dead dude or the dude who got thrown out. It's a different thing. Yeah. So even though I'm 62 and you know done a lot, a lot of stuff, there's still a lot of new stuff to do, yeah. and that's where I always see it as an O-word opportunity. Yeah. You know, so you don't have to just. I still got my Second Amendment. If, if my name's in the name of the band, you know that I want people to know who to blame because I'm the shot caller. But these other things, I'm actually taking direction, and I think it's really good to do that. Sure. Right, because yeah. life is. A big thing. It's I just started playing guitar for these guys that I grew up with. We went to high school together, you know, and like 25 years later, we got a fucking band together, you know, and I'm playing guitar to their songs that they wrote, and it's a completely different thing, and they tell me what to do, and then, you know, and I just show up, and, so I, you, and I just shut my mouth and do the fucking But thing. you don't see that as like some kind of prison set. No, I want to be there. It was it's my like idea. opportunity, It was right? my idea, but... Yeah, but I think what we're taught is if you're not the boss, if you're not giving the right. orders, you're losing. You're a loser. You're not winning. <laughs> But that means you're playing with guys that you're telling are not winners. How yeah. are you going to get the best out of them? Sure, yeah. Why, why not uh, say, hey, it's just my turn right now. You're going to have your turn. That's right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. There's this weird kind of value system I think we got to And it kind of started in the 60s. So your mob with their hippie music, I think, was on. That wasn't perfect and all that, but was trying to wake up from this idea like, unless you're calling all the shots, you're not winning. Because that's not realistic. Right. Right, right. Well, I, uh, it's a group effort. But I will say this that, like, well, what you called a group, right? Yeah, but what I mean, you were Prince, talking about earlier, though. Prince like, made a record all of him. Yeah. 
a Dave Grohl's first Foo Fighter album, all him. Yeah. But when he got on the road, he got a band. He gets Pat in the band, right? He's yeah, got yeah. the germs guy in his yeah, band. Yeah, yeah. Who want to be man alone when you got the germs guy on well, guitar? Fuck, man, I mean, if it, it, it's a dream to get to that point where you can go like, "Fuck, I'm gonna hire someone from somebody that I got inspired by you years mean, later." You know, Pat like that's fucking amazing. Shit. I mean, you know, like, I, I mean, how tough that. are those records? You know, I love. I, mean, I remember first talking. See, that's the, talk about how different the gigs were from my first gig. Me and D Boone saw was T Rex, right? And we liked him a lot and shit, but we were a mile away. It was Long Beach Auditorium. They tore down. It's the opera house now. But it's 3,000 people, and, you know, he's this big. Yeah. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you're in a club where you can actually see that the bass has got four strings, and they're bigger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? I didn't know that. For a yeah, couple of years, I was playing a guitar with four. I didn't know that. Anyway, and then that guy you're watching – he gets done playing. He's standing next to you, and you can talk to him. Yeah, I remember asking him, because I, I thought he was so original. I said, "Did you ever listen to anybody?" Oh, I like that guy in Queen. I was like, "What?" Wow. But it made total sense yeah, la- later. Yeah. But I, at the time, I was like, "What?" Because I thought he and he did. He invented this whole Pat Smear germs music. Yeah, and it was just beautiful. But like Dave, right? Yeah, I want to be in a band with him. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Who wants to be the one-man show when you can be in a band with the germs guy? Yeah. Well, you know I will I say mean? that, I mean, after like... What or we were, have, you know, Ig. I know what you were saying of, about... He wants you in the Stooges. Iggy, you know, we did you know, a record and with He's going to be the bow of the boat, but he wants you running the keel. I mean, or, or Pear and Peter and Perk, right? With the porno... I mean, the trippies. This guy, he teaches you the song by telling you the story. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this one's about, you know, Pete's going to ask God to give, take his life if he gives him his da- dad. And then then we're at the beach, Mike. And we're, we all got surfboards, and you're a hard charger, man. And there's a shark out there. You don't care. Oh, you got it? What? Yeah, yeah okay. One, two, three, and, four. And then, right, yeah, it was in this kitchen, like here. And Perk put the kick drum under the... And he played the tabletop. Peter had the acoustic guitar, so I was watching his chords like and kind of went by the singing good god ends up the title track this is one take yeah i'd never so these experiences where you don't aren't running the show yeah and the surprise thing the big mystery thing now Klein can tell you about that man you know but like nick we were talking about big walnuts yonder but nick reinhardt right who's that guy in your first opera well do you want to know yeah well play with him so I talked to Nels. Nels says, sure, just tell him to bring a drummer. He asked Greg from Deerhoof. First time I saw Deerhoof, Nels took me to the gig in Remus. There was a PCH club, right, on PCH. We go in there. I, I wrote him eight songs. Of course, he called them bass lines. <laughs> they were songs. And he came up, and, and that's how he got to know Nels. I did the same thing with the guy in Tokyo, Mr. Shimmy. You know, he wanted to know him, play with him. Yeah. I mean, I think music should be kind of like that. They should be all opportunities, and there ain't one VH1 way to do it. Yeah. And then well, you cry I mean, about the management tying your hands up with the 
So these are not music things. Well, we got to do the split with Iggy, and and then like we got to do the split with you, and you know Rollins always writes me back whenever I email him, and Good you God. always write me back, you know, and I think that's you know that's from from these experiences. Well, the old days was about people. Yeah, okay? exactly. I think the new days is about people. I think it's always going to be about people. Sure, but I just kind of like from you guys doing that. I always whenever someone writes me about the band, I try to make sure I always write them back, no matter what the thing is. And I got in some stupid fucking conversation about colored vinyl with a guy on the way over here today so you know <laughs> styrene versus vinyl right yeah okay, well mike i think I, I think that's good man I, I thank you for uh doing the show and, and for having me on your well, show today too and you know same thing yeah. right taking turns hell yeah i think that's what life's about for sure i know music and expression right my favorite guy i've done some music with him remy pettibone but he mainly does visual i mean it's all letting sure. the freak flag fly yeah so less of this division stuff more of this bring together kind of thing yeah and uh not to get all like it's simple or anything it's tough like everything else god you get to eat good chow but then you have to hopefully you have a good dump and that don't hurt right? <laughs> yeah. so th thanks and uh That's it's righteous that you're doing a show like that i think it's like a fanzine everybody can have their own fucking show yeah and everybody's got a, a fucking story i ask people to be on the show all the time they're like oh, i don't want, i don't got anything interesting to say Bullshit. i'm like no you do everybody's got Look an at interesting thumb, story thumbprint we're born unique yeah we're all right out the gate we're unique yeah and then we need this art stuff to prove it to ourselves but Biologically, we, we we got, but at the same time, well, some more than other, Mike. Some, but more at the other. same time, we got a lot in common. Mm -hmm. Never can forget that. For all the uniqueness we got, we got so much in common. So it's stupid to like get too stupid yeah. <laughs> over things. Well, thanks for having me down here in uh, Pedro and uh, for being uh, this town. This town Have you ever inspired done a remote, me. Uh, broadcast. No, this is the first show? one. You know, here we go. One. Yeah, this is the first, first time remote for everything. From Pedro, but yeah. probably the first of men. <laughs> I hope so. All right, man. Thank you. Bye.